Well, Happy New Year. Welcome to a new year. It's a great time. It's often a time where we had spent a lot of time with family and friends, and that's a great opportunity that happens during the holidays. And one of the joys I had for this past, past new year was to be able to spend time with my family, my immediate family, with my two children, who happen to be now out of state, now going to grad school. So it was good to see them back and to be able to spend time with them. And, and one of the things our family likes to do is to go out and eat. And it's a little bit of a treat, so I will have to be a little bit confessing here that it's a little bit maybe extravagant, but our family likes to go out to eat to places which are known as Michelin star restaurants. So we did that for this, this New Year's. Uh, we went out, and, and one that my children chose, and my pocketbook is hurting a little bit after that, but we go to these restaurants where they have these things that are called, known as tasting menus, right? They are uh, kind of a selection of, of, of dishes that the master chef um, provides to kind of demonstrate their culinary skill and their artistry. So it's an amazing experience, an amazing time of dining. The waiter introduced our time by saying that the dining experience that you're going to go through is like a story and that each dish that the chef offers is a chapter in that story. That there will be sweetness, there will be savoriness, there will be bitterness, but also mystery. So that was the introduction to our meal. It was a great time. But like any meal, it's so short-lived that by the next day, you're going to be hungry again, no matter how extravagant the meal is. Well, I want to pose this morning that the master of the universe, God, has a story too. And his story involves his son, Jesus. And the taste of Jesus is not short-lived, but eternal. So we've been going through... Um, Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew. But before I go there, there's this great verse in Psalm 34. It's verse 8. It says, The taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So one way to experience God is to taste him. And how do we taste God? Well, God offers a taste of himself through the Sabbath. And the new year being a time where we often look at our lives to reflect on where we can make changes. I'm going to make a challenge for us all to look at how we Sabbath, to make sure we are doing it in a way that honors God, in a way that God intends Sabbath to be. And you know that the word Sabbath, the Hebrew word Sabbath means a day of rest and worship. So that's making it very simple. The word Sabbath means to rest and to worship. Nothing else. So life is really hard. Life will drain us of joy unless we commit to a very good habit of Sabbathing. So let's look at the book of of Matthew in chapter 12. That's where I want us to begin. And actually, I want to begin with a few verses in chapter 11 that gives a little bit of context before we enter into chapter 12. So starting with chapter 11, verse 28. 
Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the, of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple was here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their, their synagogue, and a man was there with a, a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you has a sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand, and the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. And that's the word of the Lord. The Sabbath is a very important principle, a very important concept for God. It was so important that God put it in the Ten Commandments. Now, do you remember which commandment that was? It's number four. It's the fourth uh, one in the list of ten, and it's from Exodus 20, verse 8 to 10. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So the fourth commandment tells us to honor the Sabbath and to keep it holy. But unfortunately, we live in a broken world. Humans have this, this knack of backsliding. And Jesus entered into the world, into a broken world, to make a correction because the Sabbath had become not what it was originally intended to be. It had changed. And Jesus came, and through this passage, he tells us two reminders about the Sabbath. And the first one is that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Pharisees apparently had distorted and corrupted what the Sabbath was all about. The God just simply said, honor it. It's a day of rest and a day of worship. But the Pharisees added a whole long list of legalistic rules to, to tell what people could do and could not do on the Sabbath. And essentially, it became so burdensome, it was really hard to, to honor the Sabbath through this long list of, of rules that were artificially attached to, to the Sabbath and the meaning of Sabbath, and that it was so impossible to, to follow these rules that only the elite, so-called elite, could do this. 
and the Pharisees were in some ways excluding other people from the faith that they were exercising. And Jesus found this wrong, and he came to make a corrective to, to this practice. In Matthew 12, the Pharisees were criticizing Jesus for two things. I read the scripture to you, and the two things that, that the Pharisees were, were judging Jesus was um, the feeding of his disciples and for healing a man on the Sabbath. And if you look back at the stories, the, the disciples were walking in a grain field, and they were hungry. So they were t- picking grains as they were walking. And this wasn't considered stealing in, that day, in those days. Uh, farmers and ranchers, they would allow people to go through their fields, and a lot of the roads and pathways through towns would have to go through um, orchards, or they went through grain fields. And it was not uncommon to allow people to, to pick from the trees or from the, the grain uh, bushes to eat. That was God's way of sharing the wealth to those who were needy. And so uh, Jesus' disciples were hungry, and so Jesus allowed them to pick grain to eat. And what they were doing is they were taking the grain, and they were rubbing it in their hands to remove the husk so that they can eat the kernels. Now, the Pharisees, with their long list of ridiculous rules, were saying, that's work. That when they were rubbing their hands together to take the husk off the grain to eat the kernels, that the Pharisees were calling that work, and that was not allowed on the Sabbath. And so Jesus was countering them with the story of David. When back when David was, was marching through the fields with his hungry warriors, he took them to, to the temple to eat the bread that was an offering to the God. And, and apparently to the rules, the bread offering was not supposed to be consumed by anybody, but maybe by the priest later after it was a day old, because it was a, set aside as a sacrifice and offering to God. But David, with his hungry men, said, go ahead and eat of it. And God allowed it. God didn't punish David for doing that because David was the anointed one. He was going to be the king of Israel. So God approved, David, you have sovereign power to do whatever you want to do under my umbrella of protection. So David fed his men with, with something that was considered forbidden. And then even uh, the priest, uh, Jesus is pointing out the priest on the Sabbath are actually working because for them to do uh, to have worship services, the priests had to work on the Sabbath. And, and Jesus was saying, well, if you technically look at the priest like pastors on Sunday, aren't they violating the Sabbath? But they're not. So why do you judge? And so in many ways, when Jesus is pointing to the story of David, who has sovereign power given by God to do whatever on the Sabbath, He's also saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, meaning I have authority as God has given to me over what happens on the Sabbath. And if I want to feed my disciples in the grain fields, that's okay. And then the the second way that the Pharisees were trying to criticize Jesus on the Sabbath 
was about the question, do you heal people? And, and Jesus kind of looked at them with a curious eye and saying, well, you know, the law does say that when you have a sheep and it falls into a pit, the law allows them, allows an owner of a sheep to go and, and rescue that, that sheep from the pit. And so if that can be allowable by God on the Sabbath, then if somebody is hurting, someone who's sick, and you want to heal them, shouldn't that be also allowable? Because isn't a man more important than a sheep? And so Jesus goes ahead and heals a man with a withered hand. And here, two ways that, that, that Jesus is demonstrating what can be done on the Sabbath, the Pharisees were ironically criticizing Jesus for doing that. But if you think about it, the Sabbath is a day of rest, meaning it's a day of restoration and healing in all forms. And so to be fed if you're hungry, to be healed of your, your illnesses or your sufferings, that would be an appropriate thing to happen on the Sabbath, which is a day of rest, a day of restoration, and a day of healing. To this point, Jesus says in verse 7, And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. If you hear in, the, in that, that scripture in verse 7, there's kind of this interesting thing that Jesus says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And if you know what this means, you would get what I'm talking about. And that's not a real easy concept. I had to kind of wrestle with this thing. You know, what does Jesus mean? I want mercy, and I don't want sacrifice. Because often as we look at our Christian lives, a lot of times we think that God wants us to sacrifice ourselves, right? To be living sacrifices. So there's kind of this uh, ironic or oxymoron kind of thing, that paradoxical thing going on in this scripture verse. Mercy but not sacrifice. So the best way I could kind of understand this is that sacrifice had become distorted, perverted. That the, he's addressing the, the Pharisees who are thinking that they were the, the most righteous, the most uh, uh, holy of all people. The Pharisees had become had turned sacrifice into something that show, was a show-off for themselves, that it was something that they did. The sacrifices are something that, that we as people can do. And Jesus says, I don't want what you can do. You need what I can do, I, Jesus, can do for you. And that is, I can give you mercy. We can't Give, get mercy on our own. Someone else has to give us mercy. And so what Jesus is saying, these sacrifices have become meaningless because you're just routinely out of habit, just doing this, and then you go on with your lives and, and, and sin more. And so they become meaningless. So I don't want that. I want mercy, meaning he wants them to come to Jesus 
to receive mercy because mercy is something we can't do for ourselves. And then, likewise, if we turn to Jesus and make him our Lord and Savior, he will give us mercy. But then our calling, our obedience to Jesus is then in turn be like Jesus and to give mercy to others. And so Jesus is teaching the people there that don't criticize me for feeding people who are hungry or criticizing me for healing someone who is sick because that's what I want. I want that kind of compassion. I want that kind of empathy. I want that kind of mercy in my people. So I give you mercy, and so in turn, you can then go to others and give them mercy. And that is the appropriate thing to do on the Sabbath, because the Sabbath is a day, as I said, of rest and worship, but is a day of also restoration and healing. In many ways, we have to guard ourselves and to look at our lives to make sure we don't turn into Pharisees, to do what the Pharisees did, and was to corrupt what God intended to be holy. And the Sabbath, unfortunately, was something that the Pharisees had corrupted. And in some ways, if we look into our own lives, we may actually be just as guilty. And uh, something I mentioned earlier, human nature is is easily susceptible to backsliding, that we get very comfortable and that we, we become uh, influenced by the world and the ways of the world. And this is something that, that, that maybe is more of a nature of the American church because of our affluence and the way that we have become very uh, comfortable, that that the ways of the world have entered into to the church and maybe what I would say more into the people of the church, a secularization of, of God's people. And, and, and what I want us three to, to take seriously is that this thing about uh, this concept that, that the half-hearted obedience of one generation becomes total disobedience in the next generation. We see this over and over again in the Bible, in the biblical story of God's people, that one generation, as they begin to backslide, it affects the next generation. And when I say seriously here to take note that the half-hearted disobedience of one generation in the practice of God's commands will become total disobedience in the next generation. And, 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 and we're all susceptible to this, and that's why we need to go back to Jesus to get correctives, to, to get back to reset the button of, as to how God wants us to live. And in this particular case of the Sabbath, you know, raising children, I'm going to use one example here, raising children, parents out there, it's hard. Uh, I'll admit to it that it's much harder today than it was even 20 years ago when I was raising children. Um, my kids are adults now. But as parents, you, especially in, in the context of the American church, you have so much options now. Because of your affluence, 
you have choices. And what you do on your Sabbath, there are many more options for leisure, for travel, for hobbies, and even parenting choices. And one of the things that has affected the Sabbath is sports. You know, basketball, baseball, soccer, they're all good. They're good activities. It's in some ways a gift. But those gifts are terrible gods. There's only one God. And Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And that is why we need to remember who God is. It's not basketball. It's not soccer. It's Jesus. And he reminds the people here in Matthew 12, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The second reminder from this passage is Jesus invites us to himself for restoration. And this is something we have to, to take, take heart to, is that we need Jesus for soul rest. Verse 28 in chapter 11, Jesus gives this invitation. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In that invitation, Jesus says, come to me. doesn't say come to you or to him or her or whatever. He says, come to me. It's very specific. And in that invitation, it's a word of movement. It means we have to make a decisive, intentional, proactive decision to go to him. You can't just sit there passively and receive from Jesus. It says, come to me. It's an active word, an active invitation that requires our movement to him. And what Jesus is offering, which nothing else in the world will satisfy, he's offering rest. And that Greek word rest means to actually relax. So it, it's, that's, that's the meaning of rest, is to relax. Because as I said, life is hard. There are stresses, tensions that will, will eat at you and drain you of the joy. I, I want to use this illustration here of this sponge that represents us. And you know, it has a certain form. And it's full of living water. The, and it, but, you know, life begins to twist us. It begins to cause us to lose the joy in our life. And that's what the Sabbath is for. God knows that, that life is hard and that the world will tear and pull and strain us of our joy. See, so he calls us to go to Sabbath where he will restore us back to the way he wanted us so that we can then fill ourselves more with joy from God. That's what the Sabbath is for. It's a day of rest and a day of worship. And who do we worship? Jesus. And through that, we return to the wholeness that God intended us to have. I want to share a story of someone who, who, who I, is a good friend, 
and uh, has experienced a lot of, of uh, suffering. Uh, it's a, my friend Sandra. And uh, uh, during this Christmas uh, holidays, we had a gathering of some of my old home, home group friends. And uh, I got a chance to catch up with Sandra and asked her how she's doing. In some ways, how is your soul doing? And she says, much better. And, and if those are not familiar with her story, uh, several years ago, uh, she uh, was at the top of the, the mountaintop and then at the, and then moments later at the lowest point in her life. And she uh, and her husband, Young, had, had baby twins. And they were uh, wanting children for a long time and finally uh, conceived and had twins. But shortly after the birth of the twins, the f- one of the, they were premature, and the f- one of the twins died shortly after birth. And then several months later, the second twin passed away too. And I remember Pastor Andrew and I uh, rushing to the hospital when we got the urgent call that the second son was not doing well. And that was probably one of the most uh, horrifying times as a pastor to come to a hospital and see the grandmother weeping and holding the deceased infant. And, and as, a, as a pastor, we, we do uh, memorial services and I've done many. I have to admit that was one of the most difficult um, memorial services I had to perform. But, but you know, years, thankfully, God has, has brought healing to Sandra over that tragic loss. And I asked her, how do you know God loves you? And she said, you know, now when I do my devotion time and and she sits there and 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 reveals all of her her hurts and her pain um, and also knowing god knows everything about her all of her ugliness all of her shortcomings that she always feels after going through a time of reading god's word like this tremendous warmth that comes over her, like the sun shining through the window onto her skin, that she becomes very warm, and that an overpowering calmness, like a peace, comes into her. And it is at that moment she knows that God loves her. And in spite of all the things that, that, that the pain that she has suffered in the world, that those moments of spending God, uh, time in God's word, where God speaks to her through his word, she knows God loves her. And that's what the Sabbath is for. It is to go to Jesus. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing will be long-lasting. The spending time with Jesus will bring a rest to your souls that nothing else can. 
I'm going to kind of, I gave a little bit of a short list here to some suggestions of what you can do on your, on your Sabbath. And it is, for sure, physical rest. If you're tired, take time to, to sleep, to re- rejuvenate your body. Uh, that's, that's normal. The other thing is to worship, because that is the importance of Sabbath. It is to come to worship, to spend time with others in, in, in God's family and worship together. Read scripture. Uh, let God speak to you through his word, as Sandra experiences. And, and for sure, uh, community, family time with, with your families, with, with your, your friends. Because God promises where two or more gather in his name, he will be present. And then, of course, as Jesus is, is, is um, sharing to the Pharisees from Matthew 12, on the Sabbath, serve the others who are in need. That's a good way of, of doing Sabbath because serving others, um, here's, a, here's a kind of a corrective. A lot of times when we, we look at the Sabbath, it's a day of rest and a day of worship. And, and according to Deuteronomy, it was to not work. But serving others is not work. Uh, you know, hopefully I don't break your, 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 your perspective and perception of what serving means. Serving others, doing ministry is not work. And, and that's what Jesus is reminding us, is that it's okay to help those who are needy, to uh, break down the walls of injustice. That's not work. That's ministry. And what the point here is that the things that we should be doing on the Sabbath, whether it is physical rest, whether it's worship, reading scripture, while I was recreating with friends and family, Jesus needs to be part of that. Needs to be the center point. And if that's okay, uh, it'll be okay if Jesus is involved in that process, then that's the Sabbath. That's a form of Sabbathing. To, to worship is to do things with Jesus. So we can sing, pray, minister, recreate, sleep, whatever it may be, eat. If Jesus is there, then it's an appropriate activity for the Sabbath. Jesus invites us to come to him so that we can receive rest for our souls and nothing else will satisfy according to Jesus. Ultimately, making Jesus our Lord and Savior and coming to him as disciples will give us eternal rest in heaven. Because even when we Sabbath, there are six other days that the world will tear us down again. We will get, as I demonstrate, we'll get the stresses and the tensions and it'll just drain us. But the habit of, on the seventh day, is to Sabbath and return us back to whole. That's just going to be an ongoing process until we go to meet our maker, until we experience heaven. And that's the good news that Jesus is sharing in in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 29. He says, come to me and I will give you soul rest. And that rest will be eternal when we are in heaven with Jesus. The Sabbath and the practice of it restores us on a weekly basis. 
and a taste of heaven given to us by the master creator. So I hope that you will take time to evaluate uh, how you Sabbath and what it means to you and make changes where it's appropriate because life is going to be challenging and hard. And Jesus makes this invitation, come to him. And I hope that part of your Sabbath will be an opportunity to go to him to receive rest that nothing else will satisfy. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time where we can um, worship with you to make you the, the main thing in our time of rest because soul rest can only come from spending time with you. So may we uh, learn what Jesus is trying to tell us and make it practical and apply it in our lives. So I thank you, Lord, for, for this time. And in your precious son's name, I pray. Amen. Today, we have an opportunity to do exactly what Jesus said to do, to come to him. And we can come to his table and taste of his food that he has given to us. Um, the Lord's Supper is something that Jesus instructs us to remember him by until he returns. And it's a remembrance of what he did on the cross for us. On the night before he was betrayed, he had a very intimate meal with his disciples. And he, he during the meal, said grace, and he took bread and he broke it. And he said, eat of it in remembrance of me. And then later during the meal, he took a cup, a cup of wine, in our particular case, a cup of juice, grape juice. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink of it in remembrance of me. And so here at Christian Layman Church, we practice what is known as open communion. So you don't have to be a member of our church. You don't even have to be baptized. All you have to do is have made that commitment to follow Jesus. And if you want to follow Jesus, you're welcome at the table. So you can make two lines, come down the center of the aisle, and where there's an open station, take one of the pieces of bread, which represents the body of Christ, and then dip it in the cup of juice, which is the blood of Jesus, and ingest it, enjoy it at your leisure. So let's, let me pray for this time and prepare for our time of communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son Jesus who went to the cross to die for our sins so that we may be reconciled back to you. You so love us that you want us to be in your family forever and ever. And Jesus is the answer to, to, to that way. So I now ask for your blessing upon those who may be coming to the table. May they receive from you an intimate touch from, so that they may know that you love them. So I thank you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So you may come when you're prepared.